welcome to the FE Research Podcast with Joe and Alistair, a podcast that aims to shine a light on the practitioner inquiry, scholarship and research being carried out within further education. Both teachers and the students constantly need to reskill, upskill uh, their knowledge. So we can't just stick to, you know, a certain type of knowledge and who even decides what is right knowledge or wrong knowledge. Welcome to uh, the FE Research podcast, but this is actually a special edition today. Uh, but before, actually, before I explain that, let's let's see who's in the room. Um, my partner in crime, uh, Alistair Smith. Hello, Joe. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> Alistair. And with us today, it's Hina Suleiman. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, so it is a special edition. This one, it's FE Research podcast with. It's a kind of a mashup with the Working Class Academics Conference because, of course, you're going to be a speaker at that conference uh, later. Well, it's in July, isn't it? It's in July, yeah. So I'm just going to tell uh, people listening a little bit about you and then um, we're going to dive in with some questions. So um, Hina has recently graduated with a master's degree in education, education, leadership and management from Liverpool Hope. Um, she's going to be going forward onto a PhD at Liverpool John Moores. Um, as a student, Hina is cons has been consistent with education, critical theory, and is driven by an interest in hootagogi and futuristic learning, both of which we today. So I'm going to hand over now to Alistair, who's going to dive in with some questions for you. So I think it's really kind of a good place to start, Hina, with you telling us a little bit about kind of um, how you've got to where you are now with your kind of education program because um, obviously that's influenced uh, a lot of what you're studying and where you're going so perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your kind of um, degree degree journey through to where you are now. Oh uh, yes um, I actually uh, started as a mature student so I, I had a big gap because uh, um, obviously I was married had kids uh, I did all 360, the opposite way, married, had kids, uh, and then went into higher education uh, after I got divorced. But um, uh, So I first started with the BA Honours degrees in Education Studies at Blackburn, uh, University Centre at Blackburn College. And that kind of really inspired me and motivated me to go into higher, you know, further education and carrying on studying because um, it basically helped me uh, develop uh, skills and uh, broaden my knowledge and think more about how the education system works and what um, issues there are in what issues especially academics and the students face uh, in educational practice so um, that was uh, I was driven by that basically yeah. that's, <laughs> yeah. that's great so how did that kind of link in with the, the research that, that that led you to do then as part of your studies all right. Okay. So when I first got into uh, my undergraduate degree, I was overwhelmed with all the knowledge and because I was very much isolated at home the first two years after my divorce. So well, when I first joined in, I, um, I, I just straight away jumped into everything. <laughs> so all the projects, I was everywhere in student union and everything. So I really enjoyed the um, university life. And I was very much active and me taking part in lots of conferences and projects kind of drove me into doing um, my dissertation because I did, I was an intern at, um, and I did um, 
a project with BT Shuki that was based on uh, interactive essays. So this was now a shift from um, submitting the traditional Word document essays instead of that giving students the opportunity and autonomy to submit assignments in a more um, technology infused way or in a way that they would want to submit in. So giving them that freedom and um, letting them use uh, their imagination and creativity as well. So it was quite an engaging way to uh, involve students um, in their daily learning. So it was more uh, a shift from schooling to learning and, um, you know, breaking that barrier uh, that or that norm that, you know, people usually have that, okay, you need to get A's and, you know, it wasn't very much uh, driven by um, the routine testing and all of that, but it was more to develop your own learning and skills. So that is why I chose to do my, my base my dissertation on um, interactive uh, essays and on technology infused assessment practice. And uh, it was basically seeking um, perceptions of both students and um, lecturers, what they thought about it and whether it worked or not. And I found that really interesting. Yeah, so that's obviously kind of giving you the book then to kind of keep the study going and, and take things further into MA. Yeah. And yeah. you kind of got bitten by the education bug yourself. So what, what did you do to take that forward to your to your MA work and research? So because I, uh, I kind of linked that aspect very much to how, what the future of education would look like and also what um, learning uh, in this era means where, you know, we are surrounded by different types of approaches to education, different ways to learn, different spaces of learning, how the roles keep on changing, the spaces keep on changing. So I was very much uh, driven by that, uh, this, uh, that kind of idea. So I went uh, uh, into researching more about alternative education or more specifically alternative approaches to education and linked that with higher education. And I looked at um, quite a few cases uh, like I based my research on four collective case studies. Um, that was MOOCs, Massive Open Online Courses, uh, KOOCs, Community uh, Open Online Courses, um, and then there was one uh, that was actually inspired by a friend, uh, Free Universities, that was uh, uh, through Ragged Universities, Alex Dundon, I don't know if you've heard his name. So yeah. one of them was that, and that is, I was basically smitten uh, with his work and the way he things about, about education, and also creative autobiography that was by Craig Hammond. Um, and apart from that, um, I also read work, um, I also did a bit more research on different methods of, of learning, and I read um, articles by Lou Mycroft and Kay, Mike, oh my God, Kay, sorry, I've forgotten his name. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, they did an article, um, on constellation of practice and they basically talked about rhizomatic way of learning and that kind of built my foundation around education and um, a more future way of education. Uh, side button, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it came um, to you, that's okay. It came to me. <laughs> yeah, but those are some of um, the most wonderful people that I've come across um, who are all doing different things. And it's quite um, engaging to even read their stuff and look into what they're doing. So I really did enjoy their work. So I based it around them. And 
um, yes, <laughs> it was mainly on that. Yeah, no, that that's good. And um, I think if if I understand this right, you kind of cover that as an umbrella term of sort of alternative education. Is is that but, right? Yes, alternative. My title was is alternative education: the route to utopia. That was my dissertation title. So basically, I was looking at collective case studies. Um, and I was looking at future-facing um, pedagogies in higher education and what they mean and whether they work or don't work. And um, they just progressed, like it was more towards progressive education, a shift away from traditional uh, pedagogies and stuff. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that makes kind of a, a lot of sense and, and certainly um, important and timely. Um, so as you went through this, what, what kind of did you get from it? What were your key findings and kind of recommendations that you could make from that research? Uh, from that research, I found out uh, mainly that um, what education means today is a, lot, a whole lot different to what it meant. Because I think um, over time, we were always like systematically, actually, we were conditioned to think a certain way. Uh, you know, uh, you were told to just read to pass or just, you know, you were working to get credentials, to get employment. So that was what drove most students or adults to you know, just work for the sake of getting a good job or earning money. It was mainly uh, because I think that was what the government or you know, the uh, kind of the political side was aiming at. And that was yeah. what we were conditioned to think about. But now I think with um, there's more push uh, and pull there's a resistance and, you know, I think there's a push and pull towards what uh, um, by academics and the government itself, the role they play in, you know, in education. And I think more recently, actually, I've seen um, educators uh, are becoming more strong in the way they are talking about education, in the way they are approaching education, in the way they are introducing new ways, new ways of thinking. They're encouraging students to have... Uh, their own fresh discoveries uh, to going out and getting engaged and uh, using their own imagination to, in, to submit assignments in what, uh, in, they're giving them the freedom to actually submit assignments in, in their own way so that uh, they feel like they're having, um, they're playing a huge role in changing what the future will look like. So actually the, uh, the role of the student has changed quite a lot they are becoming the changing agent right now. So my key findings were basically that the role of knowledge, those are my four themes, role of knowledge, um, uh, the role of the teacher, the role of the student, and the future of learning is all changing. And how, you know, the spaces of learning are changing and how all of them are interlinked. And <laughs> I also, I thought that uh, emancipation and uh, compliance plays a huge role in all of this. So it was mainly about all of that and how um, future-facing fa pedagogies encourage new ways of thinking and um, liberate both students and uh, the educators. Because um, with education, obviously, we need to understand that uh, um, both teachers and the students constantly need to reskill, upskill uh, their knowledge so we can't just stick to you know a certain type of knowledge and who even decides what is right knowledge or wrong knowledge you know yeah 
absolutely so it's all about discovering we've said this you know and we've said this before in in podcasts but when we're doing these interviews obviously people are listening but we can see one another while we're doing it and you can tell your your huge passion for this subject by how animated you're kind of getting uh, while you're talking about these things which is really important but i suppose ultimately it's all all covered by change really and, and adapting to change driving change and responding to it um but the next question I've got is kind of a, a little bit different because obviously you've been doing all of this while all, also balancing family life and being a parent. And, and that's not an easy challenge by any stretch. Um, so I wonder if you've got any kind of uh, considerations or tips for anyone else in, in a similar position to yourself that might be kind of considering that study and that move forward. I actually really like that question because we don't, we always talk about the positive sides and, you know, oh, how determined we are to make a change to get, you know, ahead in life. But uh, we don't talk about our personal journeys. And I think it's really important to highlight that because I feel like there might be many other women just like me who are uh, single parents, lone parents, who are, who haven't got their family around to support them. Like I, my whole family is uh, in Kenya while I'm alone here with the kids. So it, it is really difficult. But then again, uh, it's all about time management, determination, whether you want to just sit at home and raise your kids or you want them you know, to look up to you. And um, it's also about you yourself. Uh, you can't lose your identity with you know, all the societal pressures around you and just confirm to, uh, you know, what um, others think and stuff. So I think it's um, you having your dreams and uh, willing to go outside and fulfilling your dreams is your own responsibility. And then um, it, it takes a lot to be driven, but once you make that one decision to step out of the house and, you know, go mm-hmm. ahead and do something, it will push you. Because I never thought I'd be sitting here telling you, oh my God, I'm going to do a PhD now. No, I thought after I completed my BA honors degree, I would straight away go look for a full-time job. And that is it. I'm done with education, but I'm right here because I really enjoy what I do, you know, what I do. And I really enjoy um, education and learning more about it. Uh, so yeah, it's about uh, finding your identity. <laughs> that's, no, that's really important, and and I think, like you say, a, an important consideration to talk about as well. Um, the the personal journey through um, yeah. education at the same time. I'm going to pass over to Joe now because I know she's got some more questions for you as well. So, um, thank you very much, Hina, for those. I'll, I'll pass you over. Thank you, Alistair. Um, I thought uh, just just to comment on some of the things you've said. It's really interesting that you mentioned Alex. It's Alex Dunedin, isn't it? Ragged. Yeah. University. Yes, ragged university. I'd love to get some ragged university activity going on in my local local area. But I think now is the time we've really seen um what you've called alternative education really flourishing in the last yeah. few months. So yeah. all these spaces of activity. I don't know about you, but I've been like really thriving on loads of professional development opportunities that kind of weren't there before. So definitely now is the time. Um okay, so in terms of my next question um if you know based on what what you what you've been talking about all all the stuff you've looked at what would be the one big thing you'd like to see change in the current education system in any phase of education you pick but you pick one what would be the one big thing you'd like to see absolutely change i'd like to change um oh my god let me think about it (laughs) I i think um I really like this idea of educators not 
being under someone, you know, the control aspect, control and resistance. So there's this uh, control from the government, the politics, uh, political side, the institution, the heads and everyone, and the resistance that is slowly pushing, um, you know, outwards uh, that is coming from the educators themselves, the academics, they're taking that responsibility and saying, no, we're going to do things differently because we don't believe in what you say. So, you know, not just constantly following uh, the policies to the dot, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, so they still, because I've seen educators uh, who have really, they're still following all the rules and regulations and the guidelines, but they are still doing things very differently, which is fascinating and genuine. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny that you, you should talk about this on this particular day. I'm not sure when this podcast will go out, but just um, this week, my colleague from Bedford College, Sam Jones, she's released a piece for the test. And it's really talking about um, practitioners um, trust, being trusted in terms of them being the experts, which I think really resonates with what what you are saying mm -hmm. um because we seem to have a system where well ideas of expertise are brought in to educational organizations but actually <laughs> they aren't the people actually in, in the classrooms and in those educational spaces so it's really unusual we seem to have a sector particularly in further education yeah. where we almost don't trust our own expertise you know, but, you know, increasingly yeah. we are doing. If, if I can just give one example, why I said, you know, because I think I wouldn't be standing here and talking um, about all of this so confidently if I never stood up in front of a class and did a presentation on something that I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. But because I was pushed by um, lecturers who, you know, are really passionate about education and who teach in a different way, uh, they don't tell you what, what you need to learn. They tell you, no, go out, do your thing, come back and tell us what you found out. So we need those kind of educators. Yeah. And, and in terms of um, Peter Shuki, yeah. literally take a fan, <laughs> as you can tell. Yes, yes absolutely. Uh, uh, what, what are the kind of walks that he does? He takes you out on, I can't remember the phrase, the word, the title now for those. But you go out exploring, don't you? Oh. Yes, uh, he did that with the uh, recent third years. He didn't do that with us, but oh. he did a lot of different things with us. <laughs> uh, so yes, he took um, students um, out walking on the streets of Holy Range, for example, uh, learning about, because obviously we need to understand that um, students come from different diverse backgrounds. They've all, all got their all different stories and stuff. So you need to kind of give them something that they can connect with. And that's really important to keep them engaged. And he understands that really well. So he kind of um, does activities, whether it's painting or, you know, walking down the streets of Wally Range or taking them to the Liverpool Museum and stuff like that, that can stay with you and remind you. And then he kind of uh, sticks him themes <laughs> while talking and learning through conversations and dialogue his main thing is conversation and dialogue you need to talk about things discuss about things more openly so that you understand different concepts yeah and uh, um, and the and the use of the arts there and uh, yes art brute so he yes uh, he talked about uh, um, learning through painting and you know um, you uh, you're voicing out your opinions through your art 
um, and stuff like that. So he's doing a lot of different things, like Kooks itself, his project. Um, uh, it, it's a free space. It's not um, under any institution. So it's under a non-hierarchical, um, I don't know if I said that right, uh, agreement. So you're not, there's no teacher or student in that in, uh, space where you can, anyone can teach, learn for free. Mm. And that was his initiative. So that's where it's a ragged university um, philosophy, isn't it? Philosophy as well. As well we're yes. All, we're all educators. We can all offer something. Offer yeah. something. Okay. My, ne my next question is actually just something I read about you um, that you were a future you ambassador. So I'm just wondering if you could tell us, you know, what what that was, what that is. Yes. Yeah, so future you is basically uh, funded by the government, and it's a project that is initiated to empower young students to. Um, uh, get into further education, succeed in life, and overcome barriers uh, of progression. So it was. Uh, so we did that through activities and engaging programs to make them uh, more, to make them more aware of themselves. Like you know, so that uh, they know what the kind of get. You know, some people come, some, some students come from poor families and they go through different things in life. And sometimes people are not, young, young students are vulnerable and they can easily be driven into some other stuff. So this project kind of really helped them to build their own um, golden ticket, which kind of tells them what would you, where would you see yourself in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years? So I did one of them that myself and I wrote that I really want to do an MA and look at me now I've done an MA so it kind of just um, gives them hope I, I would say and also motivates them aspires them to do something in life and tells them that you can do anything that you know you set your mind to right thank you thank you for sharing that what you know really important work and um, so PhD next yeah you've introduced me to the word Hootagoggy. Now we all love a goggy, pedagogy, andragogy. <laughs> I've got another goggy. It's hootagoggy. So tell us what that is and, and what you hope to do around that for your PhD. So I actually came across that word um, while I was interviewing um, Craig Hammond for my master's uh, dissertation and he introduced that word for me and then I read a lot more about Carl Rogers and his Rogerian theory which talks and explains more about uh, personalized learning. So basically that the word Hutagagi means uh, self-directed learning, discovery learning, personalized learning along those terms. And it kind of, um, and I really liked that idea because it kind of links with what all that I've done over the past few years. And um, with that team in mind, I want to know what education means to people today and what the future will look like. And I'm interested in having feedback both from employers, um, students, and the academics, because um, uh, we talk about the 21st century skills and how important they are, and how every employer looks for those skills. But do universities um, help students become as independent, or do their curriculum, their modules, their way of teaching? Um, then gives them the ideal graduate who is who has all these skills so the skills that I'm, I'm i'm kind of talking about is problem solving skills being a team player creative engagement so creativity uh, and collaboration and stuff like that so i actually did another project based on this and that was um, that was talking about um, 
the use of projects to escape learning in dead zones. So, uh, and it kind of just um, pushes you as a student and the academics, um, because we all have a responsibility to, you know, uh, um, teach in a way that uh, will help you in your later life. And we want you to not just be a bookworm, but to have a kind of education that is more flourishing and more, uh, um, is, it's more about long-term learning, uh, lifelong learning, sorry, long-term, lifelong learning and flourishing in a way, which, was, um, which gives people hope, I think. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's more about that okay. and linking with, um, uh, obviously, uh, linking that with employers. Okay, that's wow. What what, what are, it's going to be five years worth of study? Is that what you're expecting it to be? Yes, yeah. my blonde hair is going to go white by then. But yes, but at the end you'll have a beautiful floppy cap to put on it when you get your. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so you are a speaker at the forthcoming working class academics conference, um, which actually you mentioned Craig before he he's participating in that conference as well. So without giving too much away, because obviously we want people to come to the conference, what can people expect to hear from you on that day in your session? Uh, so mine is more of an autobiographical self-reflection kind of a journey, my own journey too. And it also talks about misogyny, outcries, and um, uh, the co culture, um, the co conflicts of culture and how that plays a role, um, especially in, in uh, a woman's life, uh, basically. Uh, uh, and I talk about uh, different aspects of life and I talk about resistance and conforming to societal pressures and all of that. So it's, it's personal journey as well as, um, uh, you know, uh, telling you how, uh, what education means to me and how that journey has had an impact on my life to date. Okay. And, and having had a little insight into that, it is all really, really powerful and inspiring stuff. So if people haven't got their tickets and they're listening to this, because it's all online, it's two days worth, isn't it? Of lots of different yeah. sessions um, rolling through the day. We're together, aren't we? One, this is the four, four people, sort of, you yeah. know, in a little space. And um, really, just really exciting stuff. In fact, the keynote is Kit Duval, isn't it? The awesome yes, so that feels a bit special as well. So we, we can we've just got all, we tend to be bestie mates now. <laughs> We're all in the same conference, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, how how important do you think spaces like that, like that conference, are for sharing your story, and what kind of influence do you hope it has? Um, I think um, sometimes we don't realize other people um, they fear to just you know um do things a certain way or go out there and they're dealing with their own conflicts and stuff so people like us who just um, share a little bit of our personal journeys can really inspire someone really motivate someone to go out there and fight their own battles in a, in a way that you know uh, suits them best and I think it's really inspiring uh, to, and you get, it's not only about listening to other people's journey, it's, it's also about learning. You get to learn a lot by just listening to other people mm. and what they have gone through, their own battles. And um, as academics, it's, it's kind of a push, a strong push forward as well, because together we have this one voice, um, 
you know, even though we've got all different themes coming out of it. But uh, I think um, it's it's the first time um, something like this uh, is happening. Uh, I think, and I think it's not going to be the last time, and and, and it'll give people hope not to give up. Mm. Thank you very much. Well, I'm certainly learning as I work alongside you, learning a huge amount from you. I'm really inspired by you, so it'd be great. Um, Thank you. To the conference. Likewise. <laughs> well, I think we've come to the end now. Um, so thank you so so much for your time and let's thank your children as well your three children who are squirreled away in another room having lots of snacks to entertain themselves which is just because <laughs> we thank them as well um uh, yeah so we can just say our goodbyes now so bye everyone bye everyone thank you for the opportunity thank you Hina, for, for sharing your story with us and uh, it was enjoyable listen thank you thank you bye Bye. You've been listening to the FE Research Podcast. You can follow the conversations on Twitter using the hashtag FE Research Podcast. Thanks for listening and hopefully you can join us again soon.